Hi. Hi, tribe. It's me, Elmira. It's been a little while. Wanted to catch up with you guys and see how you're doing. Lockdown ended a few days ago. <laughs> Yesterday, I went out with one of my good girlfriends on a bit on a long walk through Piedmont Park, and it was a festival out there. There were so many people out. People were so excited to see each other. So much big laughter, huge groups, everybody just kind of doing their own thing and doing whatever they really wanted to do. Um, I hadn't worked in probably almost eight weeks. Um, that was nice. And I'm back to working for uh, two two days a week. And I take that back. It was nice. And after all this is said and done with the Rona, I don't want things to go back to normal exactly the way they used to be. I don't want the hustle and bustle. I don't want the crazy schedule of working five days a week. I don't want us to be so busy, uh, consumed with other things that we can't take care of our other aspects of our life and of living. Um, I think when you work too much, you become depressed. When you do something or just one thing too much, it leads to depression. Uh, whether it's just doing art or just uh, doing music, that can also lead to depression. Whether you're just working all the time, working crazy hours, that leads to depression. So, uh, earlier this week, Monday through Wednesday, me and two great friends, we rented one of those tiny little houses, uh, those cabins, um, out in North Georgia, in Dahlonega, which is about two hours from Atlanta. Um, Dahlonega is known for their wine and their gold, apparently. So we drove up there to kind of have one last relaxing outdoor vacation, hoorah, before, you know, the work week started again for us. And the little cabin was called Gateway, and it was really cool. Um, it was a tiny little black box, wooden box, basically, that had a bunk bed with twin beds. It had a two-burner uh, stove, a small little fridge, um, a bathroom and a shower and I think it would be perfect for one or two people or if you want to bring yourself and uh, a kid or two with you um, we were three people we definitely made it work we had a great communion um, but I think if I were to do it again I would either do it by myself with one other person or I would just put that money into just getting a straight-up cabin where you have a backyard and you have a deck and a jacuzzi and multiple beds and different rooms. I think it's a little bit uh, better for your money and for space. And because these tiny little houses, you don't have land occupying them. So you just have this tiny house with a little bit of area for some campfire and a bench. Um, so, you know, in hindsight, so we went up there and on the day that um the next day that we had stayed there we wanted to take some magic mushrooms and so since there's no land on the property we were staying at we decided to venture out near the river there we found a really beautiful place on the grass with the sun shining down there was a shade where you wanted it sun where you wanted it the river was right there there was grass so 
we drove down through the gate and onto the grass, took out the tarp, took out the cooler, the waters, the drum, the guitar, you know, the whole setup, the whole prop, the whole shebang and the whole like mini little picnic and house we were bringing with us. And as soon as we're almost set up, uh, this lady drives uh, up to us in her golf cart with her two daughters is what it looked like. And she said, you guys are on private property and you need to leave. So here I am thinking, us three brown people up in North Georgia, we need to get the fuck out of this lady's property, right? So I apologized profusely and, and we're like, okay, we'll get out of your hair as soon as possible. Packed up, got in the truck, boom, left. I tell you, this lady followed us out all the way to the gate, staring us down until we were off of her property. And it's safe to say, too, that she probably followed us out so she can actually lock uh, the gate. She did say that her sign must have fallen down because um, it's done that before, but um, it's definitely private property. So she probably followed us out so she can lock her gate and put up her damn sign. So we ventured out a little bit more, drove around a little bit more to see where, where else we could prop up and um, have this adventurous time. We found this uh, little area right on the river. It was really pretty. It was really um, wooded and green, and um, it was like a forest. And then there were some rocks on the water uh, where we set up there as well. And then right across, uh, there was the river, and then right across from the river was just empty land, um, greenery. It looked like a forest. Um, nothing was occupying it. It was just beautiful. I actually wish we could go across to the other side. I feel like it's always wherever I prop up, I always want to see what's on the other side that's not actually accessible. So how does one actually get there when one does not know? So we propped up, put the yoga mats down, the tarp, the instruments, the food, and we were just dancing on the rocks um, by the river. And it started to kick in and I started to get the visuals. And I sat there and looked across from the river and the green forest area looked like a mirror image of itself. So the left side looked like a mirror image to the right side. And the, in the middle of that was the portal. And you know, we just kind of hung out, danced, laughed and Anytime I do mushrooms, I always set an intention of what I want to feel, what I want to discover, what I want to see, what I want to work on, what I want to uh, transcend, and what I want to be shown. And I always say this, and lately it's been a theme for me, is be careful what you wish for. Because... You know, for starting up the year 2020, everyone had so so many high hopes that this is going to be the year, this is a new decade, this is the year of the awakening, this is clear vision, 2020 vision, um, an awakening of some sorts. And sure enough, we wished for all this, set goals, and that did come true. It was an awakening, it was a shift in consciousness, and actually a very rapid one. And how lucky are we to be here 
at this time in space witnessing what what's going on with the rona and how the world shifted so quickly because of this virus and also our consciousness have shifted and a lot of people have woken up started to uh people have started going outdoors more started guarding more everybody's guarding now have you noticed that and um again the sa- the same thing goes with be careful what you wish for I had wished that I wanted to pursue astrology more. I've been studying astrology for a few years and I really wanted to dive in. And I had set an intention for myself, a manifestation that by June 2020 that I will have progressed my lo- my knowledge onto a whole nother level with astrology and the science of the stars and the planets. And sure enough, I've, I've been definitely given that opportunity to progress my knowledge of astrology uh, but that also involves no work and no income. So be careful what you put out there. Be careful of the terms that it might come with. And make sure that you really, really want this that you're wishing and manifesting for. Right? So, okay. Going back to mushrooms. I set an intention. And I was shown that intention on so many layers that I am still processing it. It's beautiful. I learned more about self-love, self-sufficiency. I'm a very confident, self-assured person anyways. But this was on a whole nother level of self-love. And I don't know why I went into it thinking that the revelation and the uh, what's going to be shown to me and what I would feel would be rosy, like a day in the park, uh, a day at the beach, or like a beautiful drive through the mountains during sunset i thought it was going to be just an easy here you go this is what you need to see this is what you need to feel this is what's lacking for you instead no i was burnt up chewed out kicked at rolled around stomped on pushed pulled shoved i everything to be able to get past that and into the enlightenment of what I was searching for and to be honest with you I'm still kind of scared to talk about it because it was shown so much to me and I was shown myself to me so much and I was not expecting it I don't know why I thought it would be revealed in such a rosy manner that I wouldn't have to work for it If I didn't have to work for it, I wouldn't appreciate it. Whatever you want, the other side of the opposite is what balances you in order to get to what you want. You cannot know what you want until you also know the opposite of it, right? So we're out in the woods by the river and all this is dawning on me and I'm like a child taking everything the universe is teaching me in and at this time we're actually in pluto retrograde and pluto retrograde uh, is a lot of shadow work now for some reason i'm not fearful of shadow work i'm fearful of my own things but shadow work is not one of them because i've done a lot of shadow work and i know how it works and i know how to face it and i want to tell you a little bit more about pluto 
so Pluto is like a cooking. It cooks you. It makes you tender. It cooks the soul. Uh, Pluto is the lord of the underworld, of destruction, of reconstructing. Uh, we have to remember, what do these planets want? What do they want us to feel? They are all an, an aspect that represent us. Pluto is the lord of all things invisible and connects us to the invisible, like spirit, uh, taboo, emotions, relationships, obsession. It destroys the familiar and ordinary. And Pluto, it's a ruthless Zen master, man. It is ruthless. It will burn through your conditioning. It will destroy your small will. Um, it makes you give up control. It opens you up to the larger will. It's expensive wisdom, man. It's expensive. And it's an opening like you're being cooked. Pluto wants to be on a mission of significance and one should dance with Pluto. It cooks us to our childlike innocence again. And it was through my trip experience, I was a child again. I was being shown everything again with childlike eyes and childlike innocence. It was to the point where I told myself repeatedly a few times, then be the child, be the child then. There's a Gurani chant that goes very well with Pluto and, it, and what Pluto represents. And the chant goes like this. The hook of the anaconda almost got me, but I am a child and I'm protected. The hook of the anaconda almost got me, but I'm a child and I'm protected. So the sign of Pluto is a circle with kind of like a walk or a bowl uh, underneath it, like a U underneath the circle and then a cross underneath that. So Pluto symbolized the cooking, the cooking of ourselves, of our consciousness, of our soul and what we want to master next. What type of Zen master we will be revealed. So going back to before we left on April 25th, it was the second night of Ramadan and my friend Fariel was at my house and I was showing her, I was like, hey girl, come outside to the patio. I want to show you how close this new construction is being built across from me. A project that's been going on for two years now. It's a 28-story high-rise. Um, it's been going on for two years. Morning, afternoon, night, all day, every day, all day long, all night long. For a while now. It, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm actually even considering moving just because of this. Because I've had enough. And it's literally five feet across from me. So they can see in here the construction people clearly. At one point, I thought they were actually speaking to me. Uh, and I was like, hey, are you talking to me through there? <laughs> so I told her to come outside on the patio so I can show her how close this new building, this new high-rise is to the high-rise that it's being built next to. And I've never seen two buildings like this that close to each other. It's about like the distance of a car driveway in between. So 
I'm telling her to come look at this. I turn around to talk to her and I gasp. And that's exactly how she described it. So I turn around and I see the crescent moon and right on top is Venus. And there was definitely an energy that night. There was definitely something to it. I have never seen Venus that bright and that clear before. And the moon, it was yellowish, golden, very clear. It was really windy and there was no clouds out. And if you know me, you know that I love anything to do with outer space, the sky, being on top, being on a mountain. I'm always looking up. It's fascinating. I love all things outer space, including us. So I've never actually seen Venus that bright. And it was so bright that it was shining on the moon and it was making the moon a yellow, uh, orangish color. And if there was to be a symbol for Islam, it is exactly that. It's the crescent moon with the star on top, the star being Venus. And yes, planets are stars. And they're technically called brown dwarfs, but yes, they are still stars. So that was so beautiful to see. And we talked a little bit about what significance uh, Ramadan has for her and uh, her upbringing and and um, kind of connected with our childhood even then. So, and I also wanted to share a little bit about Venus now that we're on the topic of it. Um, and I am reading, currently I'm reading the book of Visionary Activist Astrology by Carolyn Casey, Carolyn Casey. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Venus. So Venus is the circle with a cross on top, just like a circle that Pluto had. This one has a circle with a star on the bottom of it, uh, which signifies spirit superseding over material or matter. So Venus stands for flowers, perfume. Venus is Friday. It's Freya Day. Freya is the Norse goddess, which uh, symbolizes Venus. So it's Venus is Friday. Um, a lot of people, in honor to, in order to honor Venus, they go out on Friday, and they carve Venus's symbol, the circle with the star, the circle with the cross on the bottom, into some sand or some dirt to uh, honor Venus on Fridays. Venus is the art that raises us up above the ordinary. Uh, Venus is love, beauty, art, gardens, luxuries. It's the ruler of Taurus and Libra, Libra with Vedic astrology. So fun fact, Friday the 13th was actually a good luck day. And it's funny because Friday the 13th has always been a good luck day when it comes to love for me love, um, infatuation, um, intimacy, interest, love interest. And Friday the 13th was actually supposed to honor Venus and um, you were supposed to make love all day. And that was made unlucky because of the monks 
that wanted a five-day work week and if we had Fridays off, then that would threaten the whole industrial, um, industrialization economy. So Venus being the whole realm of art, the art of living, it reminds us that beautiful is not pretty. Beauty is fierce is what Venus says. When it comes to Taurus and Venus, it's the cooperation with the land. I am the rainforest protecting itself. I'm a part of that rainforest recently emerged into human thinking. And also, what part of nature do we love has to do with Taurus and Venus. Do we live in an economy or a culture also? So with Venus, it rises for 260 days, which is what it's currently doing. It's above sky as a morning star, which the same in image with uh, the moon and Venus setting together has been happening, of course, for a few months now. And I remember looking at the same image of the moon and Venus when I was in the grill, when we're sitting by the beach as the sun set. And thank God, Nicole, we went on that vacation right before this madness went down. It was end of February, and me and Nicole separately were going on vacations left and right, left and right, vacation after vacation. And yeah, it might have been financially hard to do, but now I realize why it had to be done, because we would be on lockdown for several months, and we couldn't take our asses nowhere. You sit your ass at home, bro. And... I remember sitting there with Nicole and watching the sunset. And again, Venus was not as bright as what it was on the 25th a few days ago. So, okay, it rises for 260 days as a morning star. Then it disappears for 40 days. Then rises again for another 260 days as an evening star. Then it disappears to the underworld for seven days. And that is when it's in its retrograde. So that rise from the underworld is really significant. It's the goddess emerging to the fullest imprint of its archetype, the seven days and the rise from that seven days. So that's a little bit about Venus. I will definitely tell you guys a little bit more about the planets coming up, especially if we're transitioning with them. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, sorry, a pop, a mind just, an idea just popped in my head. It's like it's been the whole time that we've been in quarantine is that I just want some fucking cake, bro. Will somebody come here and just make me a cake? Have it smell like cake in here. Have the layered, have the frosting and just make me a cake because cakes are so joyous and they're celebratory and they're it's always some kind of con congratulation or some kind of, you know, n something new like a baby or a job or a birthday. Like, it's always such a celebratory event that cake is eaten. So if I have any takers and anybody that knows how to make a cake, can you please come here and make me one, please? Please, 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 please. I love you forevers. <laughs> um... Until then, until the next time, next time I'm going to read you guys a little bit of the book by, by Khalil Gibran, which is called The Prophet. It's been 
printed millions of times. And it's a beautiful book about a guy named Al-Mustafa, who's like the chosen one, the beloved, the seer. And he's been in this town for several years, I think it's 12 years, and he's waiting for his ship to arrive so he can leave this town. And before he leaves, um, this woman named Almitra comes to him and she says, look, I believe you, I believe your teachings, I believe your truth and your words. Will you please leave us for a few words of enlightenment and teachings before you leave and so that we can uh, learn these and it will stay with us. And it talks, this book talks about everything. It talks about children, love, sex, marriage, job, uh, travel, gardening, and it's so beautiful. Um, Khalil Gibran was known as a genius of his time. And I've actually read another one of his books called The Beloved, where there's letters back and forth between him and his beloved named Mary. It was a purely platonic uh, relationship, but she was in love with him. And it's their letters back and forth, and he would draw for her, and they, they both contributed what each of each other needed. She was a big factor in his life and in his success. They always say, behind every great man, there's a great woman helping him, leading him, being there for him, and same for vice versa. And until next time, I love you forever. Bye.